It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. around them. I thank you, Father, that you are a wall of fire round about them and that you set your angels round about them. And I thank you that because they dwell in the secret place of the Most High and they abide under the shadow of the Almighty, they will say of you, Lord, that you are their refuge, their fortress, and you they will trust. I thank you that you cover them with your feathers and under your wings shall they trust. They shall not be afraid of the terror by night or the fiery dart that flies by day. Only with their eyes will they behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because my listeners have made you, Lord, their refuge and fortress, no evil shall befall them, no accident will overtake them, neither shall any plague or calamity come near them, for you give your angels charge over them to keep them in all of your ways. And Father, I thank you because you've set your love upon them. Therefore, will you deliver them? They shall call upon you, and you will answer them. You will be with them in trouble, and will satisfy them with long life, and show them your salvation. Not a hair of their head shall perish. In Jesus' name, amen. 
I was notified today of a relationship that had gone really, really bad. And in this relationship, there was this man who was so in love with this woman. And this woman was so unfaithful and so much in disregard of the feelings that her husband had for her that she threw it to the wind like casting pearl before swine. She stomped on it. She treaded on it. No matter how much he showed her, he loved her. She mocked him, ran around on him. Everybody knows about it. Everybody is talking about it. Everybody is making a mockery of his love. Everyone is looking at her flaunt her relationships publicly. Everyone is talking. It's all the buzz in the neighborhood. It's all the buzz in the church. It's all the buzz on the job. What in the world? What in the world must this man do? What more must he do? She's had five children and neither of them are his. Yet he continues to go after her, to pursue her, to come after her time and time again and always remind her that she can come home. She doesn't have to live like this. She doesn't have to behave like this. He still loves her. He never throws up that the children aren't his, even though he knows the children aren't his. What in the world would possess a man to love a woman so strongly it goes contrary to what most Christians would believe automatically. He's been abandoned. He has no obligation to this woman. He can walk away anytime. And who in the world in the Christian community would blame him, let alone anybody in the world who would blame him from walking away from a wife who's living the life of a prostitute? He doesn't have to do anything in regards to being a father to her children, being responsible to her, no alimony, no nothing. He could just cut her off and walk away and no one would blame him. But what is it about this man that makes him keep on extending peace, love, and compassion and forgiveness? Stay tuned as we go into the prophet and the prostitute. Hi, I'd like to welcome you to the prophet and the prostitute um, series and we are covering the book of Hosea and I have on the line with me our guest speaker, Hugo Worth, Prophet Hugo Worth. And I would like to allow him a moment to introduce himself. And he will be coming back to us shortly. And I'm concluding the show probably on the second segment of it. So I want you to stay tuned. But I'm asking him to introduce himself to you now. Thank you. You're on the air. Hi. Uh, my name's Hugo Worth. I've been in ministry for 29 years, 
and uh, it's been a hard 29 years uh, because, like most people, I don't learn things easily. Uh, but hard, le- hard lessons are the best lessons learned. You don't forget them. And uh, so stay tuned, and we'll have a word from God for you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for being our guest today. And we're going to go to the next caller and give them an opportunity to introduce themselves or if they have anything that they want to say. Be right back with you, Hugo. Line two, you're on the air. Line two, you're on the air. All right. We're going to go to the next caller. Caller, you're on the air. Hello, line three, you're on the air. Oh. Line three, you're on the air. Four six nine, you're on the air. Okay. I'll come back to you in a moment. Thank you. All right, we are going to pick up where we left off at on the prophet and the prostitute. We're covering the book of Hosea, and we're going to make this a series of discussions through next Monday. But most of all, I'd like for you to... Imagine that story being your life, either being the husband or the wife of someone who was unfaithful, who you had been married to and you had raised children with, and you basically thought that your life was not going to turn out very, very well. And you were given a choice either stay in that relationship for better or for worse, for sickness or health, for richer or poor, or you could divorce them and walk away, forget that you ever loved them, forget that the children ever meant anything to you, forget that you ever saw them being born, forget that you ever held them and embraced them and loved them and embraced that mother or that father, and You could try to walk away and not be bitter, not be angry, not be vindictive, not um, talk about them to everybody that you know and say how evil and unrighteous they were and how badly they treated you and have a pity party and lay up on the couch of a psychiatrist or go to the minister's office for counseling. All these things are a lot like today, a lot like today. We have a lot of people who are suffering. We say that hurting people hurt other people. But there's also another side to that coin, that people who have been hurt don't always want to hurt other people. They don't always do to other people what's been done to them. And when we are looking 
at our situations and our circumstances and our relationships, and we kind of wonder, you know, um, I don't think I should give them any better than I got. This is what happened to me, lump it or leave it. So I don't care whether you like me, I don't care whether you love me, but I'm not going to treat you any better than I've been treated. Matter of fact, in order to make myself feel better, I think I'm going to treat you a little bit worse than what I was treated. We live amongst people who feel that way. We live amongst people who feel that way. Right now, right today, some of them go to church, some of them don't go to church, and some people don't go to church because the people who hurt them are in church. So we're dealing with a totally different set of issues than what maybe we're accustomed to or maybe that um, we've just become more aware of it. Because I'm thinking back, and I I remember I grew up in a home um, where they were, you know, a Christian home. We went to a Pentecostal church, and uh, uh, the mother of the house, the matriarch of the house, she made sure that went to church on Sunday school, went to, you know, Wednesday night services, went to the weeknight services, all the revivals. But the patriarch of the house never, ever set foot in church as long as I could remember. I remembered things that the patriarch would say about the preacher and about how, how the preacher was sleeping with all the women and all this and all that. And so um, my mom would always say, well, you know, he's just a heathen. He's just a heathen. That's that's all. He's just a heathen. Don't worry about what he's saying. There's no truth to that. Well, sometimes you'd be surprised at where you can find truth. And I was a child, so I I didn't question her, and I didn't question um, her comments about, oh, he's just an infidel, you know, he's going to go to hell. And But as a young child, I just, you know, felt for him and I would pray for him and I would be thinking about him and we would be sitting at the church and I would be wondering, you know, what he was doing and was anybody going to come by and talk to him and minister to him. I just had the heart, I guess, of an evangelist probably at an early age and I always thought about that. So I would go home after service and I would kind of talk to him and kind of bring up um, what happened at church and everything, and he just did not want to hear it. And once again, my mother says, well, you know, he's just an infidel. He's just going to, you know, go to hell. And I'm thinking, well, you know, I don't know why he has to go to hell. And at that time, I didn't fully understand why uh, everybody wasn't going to heaven. I figured, well, he has to be going to heaven. Um, and he's going to give his life to Christ because, you know, there's no way that he's going to go to hell. Well, the reality is that God gives us choices. He says that we should choose life and death, and he sets before us blessings and curses, and he gives us the opportunity to serve him or not to serve him. And there will be some people who will not serve him no matter what. Um, there will be people who will serve him who will turn away. And you have a combination of people who come to church. Some people come to church uh, now in the day and age of mega churches uh, because it is a mega church. Uh, some people go to church out of tradition because their mother and their father, their grandparents, their great-grandparents, and they were founders of a particular church. And so they continue to go to that same church because uh, legacy that they want to continue to bring up their children and see their children grow up the way that they grew up. It's not always a matter of how um, the word is going forward. It could be because of the great choir could be because of they've got the best-looking women or the best-looking men. 
people go to church for a variety of reasons. And people go to church and sit under the word, but the word doesn't always get into them. And then we have uh, so many people who come to church and they confess Christ and they have the form of godliness and they do all the hallelujahs and the amens at the right time on cue and they look like Christians and they walk like Christians when you see them and then they leave and they go out in the public and the public sees them and the public kind of wonders, you know, well, there's something different about them. You know, definitely there's something different about them, but they watch them for a little bit and then all of a sudden they start seeing things that make them think, well, you know, I'm not really sure what it is about them, but I think they're saved. But, you know, I just heard them do this and, and, and did not just see them, you know, um, meet up somewhere and did not just see them, you know, do something um, that I, I wouldn't do myself. And so, you know, um, they're Christians. And, and then some people get caught up on the way you look. And this is, you know, well, if, if being saved means that I got to look like that and I have to look all, you know, puckered in and soured and, and depressed and, and as if, you know, I don't have a friend in the world, then I'm not really sure I want salvation. So we, we're dealing with so many issues that were present um, at the time of Christ, um, present after Christ, and are persisting today. But the issue of the prophet and the prostitute is, is that the wages of sin is death, but the penalty, the penalty for the, for the wage of sin has been paid. And we have an obligation as believers, as Christians, as those who confess the name of Jesus Christ and we confess him to be our Lord and Savior. We have an obligation to be billboards, if you would, to be an example, to be an ensample, to be um, books that are easily read of men that men should be able to see that we belong to him and that we are witnesses of his and that um, there's something about us that makes them want to inquire about who it is that we serve. I recall a conversation with someone um, several years ago, and um, the question was asked to me um, about why did I smile, why did I have joy um, on my face whenever I would come in or go into the office, and uh, they just couldn't imagine. They, they just could not imagine why I could walk in and every day come in with a smile. Well, you know, I would uh, go through my process of getting my praise on, on the way to work, on the road, and I would get into a worship mode, and by the time I would pull into the parking garage, I had my mind made up and my heart was set that God, you know, even if I don't like what I'm doing, I'm going to still enjoy this day that you've given me. I, I just won't allow anything or anybody to steal my joy. So, but there came a time when sometimes, you know, I would walk in and immediately the enemy would be there waiting to steal my joy. But did that mean that I wasn't saved? No, it doesn't. But what we're talking about today or tonight is a little bit deeper than that. Um, it's the ability to live for him, the ability to go through, the ability to be tried, to be tested, to be processed, to be purified, to be sanctified, to be aware that you've been justified and that God has made you to sit in heavenly places and that he has sacrificed so much, he has sacrificed so much for you and I 
to be saved. He sent his only begotten son so that we might become the sons of God. And so we are his sons through the spirit of adoption. And can you imagine that he loved us so much that he sent his begotten son, his only begotten son, to die for us so that his sons who are by adoption would not have to endure the cross. We would not have to endure the persecution and the suffering and the weight of the sin and the shame and the pain of bearing the sins of the world. So he gave us a scapegoat so that we might be free and that we might be liberated and we might have life more abundantly. And we still go back to the book of Hosea. He is one of the minor prophets, of the 12 minor prophets. And something that I was looking at today in regards to this time in the lives of the children of Israel, they've gone through 650 years post uh, coming into the promised land. This is coming into the promised land. 650 years has expired or passed by since they came into the promised land. Now, I, you know, I'm, I'm still thinking about that. I'm still thinking about that even now while we're on the air. I'm still thinking about that because they took a journey from the land of Egypt that was supposed to have taken 40 days, and it ended up taking 40 years. And they stayed in the wilderness because the people who were rebelling against God, those who were not wholeheartedly for God and who could not possibly occupy the promised land because of the evil that was in their heart, they were allowed to die in the wilderness, and they were not allowed to enter into the promised land. And even Moses, after having done great exploits for God, was not allowed to go into the promised land. So in my mind, I'm thinking, surely 40 years was long enough for all of this generational cursings and all these uh, hang-ups and these idiosyncrasies and these tendencies to have died in the wilderness. But we look 650 years later, and the very things that they were doing in the wilderness and the very things that they were doing before the wilderness we find them doing 650 years later. You would think by just by natural selection, by them marrying and being married and then given in marriage and, and bearing other children, that all of this would have been far from them, that by this time they would have been so in love with God, that they would have been so reverent of everything that he had done because the uh, the Jewish history is, is an oral history and it's passed down. And people talk about the goodness of the Lord amongst them. They read the Torah, they read and they worship and, and they pray and they religiously observe the feast and, and the laws and, and they would make the pilgrimages and everything. And always with the reminder before them of the goodness of God, bringing them out of slavery, bringing them through the wilderness and taking them into the promised land and giving them an inheritance. And yet that still wasn't enough. That still wasn't enough so that 650 years later you find them apostate. They have been given over to a state of apostasy because of the evil that they were doing. 
They began to fight amongst themselves. A, a people who had been one began to war amongst themselves. And, you know, the holidays are coming up, and so we've got families that are infighting and they don't really love one another and they really hate to have to go and spend time with them for Christmas. And then we have other families that they can't wait to be with one another for Christmas. But here we have the children that have been brought out of the land of Egypt, brought out by fire, brought out by a cloud, fed manna in the wilderness. None of their clothes wore out, did not come out with any sicknesses or any diseases upon them. God took very good care of them in a dry and desolate land, and he brought them in to a land flowing with milk and honey. Everything that they possibly could have ever wanted had been given to them, and it was set before them. And yet, they turned on him. They turned on him and basically said, you know, we're kind of bored, and we kind of want something new and exciting and different, and, uh, you know, we, we, we want to kind of reach back. But there's a person in this passage that um, I was beginning to look at And during uh, David's time, and so now during Hosea's time, you've got Solomon, and then Solomon has gone on, and then you've got the other kings that are reigning, and either they've been overthrown or they've been assassinated, or something has happened to the other kings that have been during this time that Hosea is being a prophet and his peers are being prophets. And this individual is an offspring of someone who was a thorn in David's flesh. And what his predecessor was not able to accomplish during the time of David, he's able to accomplish during this reign. And he sows a wedge between the children of Israel. And they enter into civil war. And they begin to fight amongst themselves, and they become the northern and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom represents the children of Israel, and the southern kingdom represented the tribe of Judah. And never the two to meet again. But they were all sharing land. They were sharing land. They had shared a heritage. They had shared DNA. They had shared a common ground. But the deceiver, the liar, the thief, the robber found his way and found an opportunity to trick them and to cause them to turn on one another, blood turning on one another, so much so that they began to worship Baal, the god of fertility to them, was obviously better than the god of Israel who neither slumbers nor sleeps. I mean, they just wanted to have something, I guess, tangible in front of them. So they had the, the cows again, the cows and everything that they were worshiping in front of, and they were whoring after other gods. They were cheating on God with an image, with, with idols, with, with things that were physical for things that they could not see. But even though they had records of how good God had been to them and they found themselves unfaithful. 
And God says, you know what? I'm really like come to the end with them. They obviously think that I will not do anything to them because this has gone on so long. You know, suddenly God is going to do something. You know, he hadn't done anything all this time. You know, why would he do anything now? So here we are. And God is saying, you know, you have not returned my love. You have not shown me any attention. You haven't been been affectionate to me. You haven't worshipped me. You haven't given me the honor and the glory and the praise that's due me. And I've done all of this for you. And you taunt me and you mock me and you make public fun with this other God, you set another God above me, and this relationship is equivalent to how we see marriages that are full of infidelity. We go through this and we see all of these scenarios that play out in a marriage where there's infidelity in the house. But God is saying, you know, you're supposed to be my my, my people. You're supposed to be mine. You're, you're supposed to be the apple of my eye. And yet I, I just want to just turn my back on you because I'm so disappointed. I'm so disappointed. After all that I've done for you, I am so disappointed that you could not even, even, even return the love that I've so freely given you. I've so freely given you. The Messiah has not been sacrificed yet. But God has done everything for them, everything for them, everything that he possibly could do for people to keep them safe, to keep them whole, to give them blessings, to give them food, to give them shelter, to give them raiment. Everything that they needed, God had provided. And yet it was not enough. It was not enough. Sin enticed And sin led them astray. And the pride of life and the lust of the flesh, all of these things that were handed down for generations, their teeth were set on edge because of the sins of the father. And so, obviously, it has, I'm thinking, you know, written in the DNA, written in the code that my forefathers did this, so I have a tendency to do this, and so, you know, I'm going to, play around with this, and, and the more you play around with it, you kind of get out there and you spend more time doing it, and before you know it, you know, it becomes a habit. And then that habit all of a sudden becomes a stronghold. And then you will either have your heart just totally hardened and you become a reprobate and you get turned over to your own devices. And you find these people who have been so well cared for. The the wealth that they brought out of Egypt eventually gets taken away from them. They lose literally everything because they cannot remain faithful to a faithful God, to a faithful relationship. And at this point, I want to encourage you. I want you to be strengthened. I want you to be aware that God is not a man that he should lie. So it was, so it shall be. The scenes that were happening in the book of Hosea are happening right now today. We have people who have made their own images, their own gods. 
um, be it money, be it cars, be it vehicles, be their own religion, be it uh, a form of religion where they say, well, you know, we'll just worship everything and, and, and hope that we won't miss anything. It's like uh, a composite God, you know, a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and that way our bases are covered, you know, a little bit of luck, a little bit of blood, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And so we, we just we, we just going to make sure we don't miss anything. We're we just going to worship anything and everything that comes our way. The more God, the better. The more, the better. The more, the better. The more, the better. So it's, it's a form of gluttony. It's a form of greed. It's a form of excess. And now what do we do? Now what do we do? Uh, we have on our money, you know, in God we trust. But is it the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that people are trusting in right now? Because when people are talking about God, it's, it's loosely. You're not really sure what God they're talking about. You're not really sure um, what they believe. You're not really sure um, if they believe the, uh, that God is a rewarder to us who serve him who love him wholeheartedly, who worship him in spirit and in truth, because now you've got many spirits. We have people who uh, worship their children, especially um, when there's something about them, a certain birthmark or a certain uh, uh, birth um, effect or something about them. I mean, it could be that they, they have multiple limbs or whatever, and in some ways it's, you know, well, one of our gods has multiple limbs, so, you know, this, this must be, you know, uh, a manifestation for us. We have people who see uh, Jesus in toast. We have people who see Jesus on on billboards and on walls and, and, and etchings, and, and so, you know, they put up the toast and, and won't eat the toast because, oh, you know, this looks like Jesus. And we have people who um, and, and things that um, don't bring any glory to him. They take away the glory and they use it as a monument for themselves. And somehow or another they get satisfaction out of that. But God is not looking for that. God is not looking for that. He's still looking for people to be called by his name. He's still looking for people to love him, to be faithful to him. And so Hosea is given a word from God, and he's saying, I want you to take to yourself a harlot for a wife, and I want you to experience firsthand what I'm experiencing. And Hosea is obedient. And the word of God says that if you will be willing and obedient, that you would eat the good of the land. And Hosea was obedient. He was obedient. And he took into himself this Gomer and basically said, you know, you're going to be my wife. I'm going to have children with you. And when they come down to the point of naming the children, God says, you know what, I'm going to have the naming rights to your children. I'm going to tell you that your children are going to be named according to the things and the misdeeds and the sins that are going on in this nation. And I'm going to put you on public display. I'm uh, going to have you to be a prophet to this people, and I'm going to have you be a living prophecy before these people, your wife and your children, and they are going to be examples of 
what it is that I see my people doing. And this is going to be your lot in life. And so he takes his word because when the word comes, it comes to the prophet first. It comes to you first. And then now he says, I want you to prophesy to my people. So he eats the prophecy first for himself, for his own life, and he walks it out. And then he has to turn around and he has to preach it to the people. And the people are looking at him like, you've got to be crazy. Look at your house. It's a mess. Your wife is a whore. She's a harlot. Your children. I mean, come on. Who are you talking to? You can't possibly have a word from God for us. You need to get a word for yourself. And he's saying, you know, I have a word. I have a word. And I am telling you that God is not going to always wink and he's not going to always contend with you and he's not going to always tolerate your behavior. And I can imagine, well, you know, he's done it for 650 years. I mean, like what? You know, suddenly he's going to stop? I mean, the, the audacity, because that's the way a rebellious child is. That's the way a disobedient child is. And they said, well, you know, mom and dad, they ain't done nothing before like, you know, they're not going to do anything to me now, so I'm going to keep on doing what I'm doing. I'm going to keep on going where I want to go. I'm going to keep on doing what I want to do. And as long as an unfaithful spouse is being unfaithful and the faithful spouse never says anything, never says, you know what, there are going to be consequences for this. You know, I still love you, but I don't accept your behavior. God is finally saying, you know what, there are about to be some consequences. There are about to be some consequences for your behavior, and warning is coming before destruction. I need for you to listen to the warning that's coming from the prophet. And so tonight we have with us a man of God that I believe has a word from God in regards to the subject of Hosea and Gomer. And we are going to go um, to him briefly. I'm going to play a worship song really quick and give him the opportunity to get prepared to come online. And at this point, this song is Karen Wheaton between porch and altar. Enjoy it. Joining us now is Prophet Hugo Worth. Prophet Hugo? Yes. Well, I'd like to open up with prayer. 
just yes. a little Amen. prayer here for a moment. Lord, I'm asking you to take the scales off our eyes and take away our itching ears that may, we may hear your word and not the word we want to hear. We may hear your truths and not the truths we want to fit our lives. Give us knowledge and wisdom and understanding beyond our years, for you're the giver of knowledge and wisdom. And lead us for righteousness' sake, Lord. In your great name I pray. Amen. Amen. What I'd like to speak about tonight is let's define what a God is. In its most simplistic term, a God is anything that's in control of your life. It's as simple as that. Uh, if you uh, worry about everything, worry is your God. Uh, if you have your credit cards maxed and everything else, your peace doesn't come from God. It comes from shopping and spending money, That the, the feel-good God. You feel good while you're running around the malls. Uh, if uh, it's your your children, you dote over your children. Uh, and I'm not talking about a godly dote. I'm talking about your children or everything to you. Your children are your God. Whatever's in control of your life can be your job. We have plenty of workaholics among us. I know I used to be one. Didn't get me anywhere, but uh, I sure thought it did. So with the understanding that whatever is in control of our lives is being a God, that really opens up Hosea to us. I'm just going to discuss a few things about Hosea tonight and how it applies to us. Uh, Hosea was the prophet. and He had a bride. And uh, the, the one thing all of us are guilty of that we go to church and we hear a good sermon or we read the word and we apply it to everyone but us. Uh, oh, I wish Sister So-and-So could hear this or Brother So-and-So could hear this. They really need this word. Well, the truth be known, uh, we need to bring it home to us. And Gomer was the bride of the man of God just as we are the bride of Christ. Okay? Everything Gomer went through, whether we want to admit it or not, that's God telling us through his word. That's the real picture of us. Now, in all of our self-righteousness, we all claim that that's not us. There's this little thing, God is truth and every man's a liar. At one point or another in our lives, we are Gomer more times than not. Because scripture says, not if we fall, it's when we fall. We're going to fall. There's a propitiation for us, the man Christ Jesus. God gave over his people, that's us. Time and again, he gave them over to their own lusts. 
we have some people that don't believe in the Old Testament, and they're just going to live by the New Testament. But the New Testament is fulfillment of the Old Testament. And people have not changed from the beginning of time. Uh, the names have changed. The tribes have changed. Uh, the locations have changed. But people themselves were the same people as Adam and Eve. We're the same people as Cain and Abel. Abel doing it God's way, Cain doing it his way. It's called religion. Abel was doing it the way God instructed him to, and Cain was doing it from a religious point of view, doing it his way. Hosea points all of this out to each and every one of us, whether we want to apply it to our lives or not. We oftentimes try to justify ourselves in our self-righteousness, and we find out very blatantly that our righteousness is of filthy rags. And for those of you who don't understand the full context of that verse, Filthy rags doesn't mean an old dust cloth. It doesn't mean the old rag you polish the car with. Those filthy rags means used menstrual cloth. So there's none of us that are righteous before God. We come before God, if we're wise, very humbly. Not arrogantly, not haughty and proud. Uh, Sister Patricia was talking before about the patriarch of her family, how he mocked people and wasn't interested in church people. How many times have I been at Walmart or some other store and just sat back and watched church people walking through the store in the stench of their arrogance went before them. And there's people in the store, we're, we're supposed to be a, a testimony of God's love, God's embrace, everything else. If someone has to ask you if you're a Christian or a follower of Christ, you're not. Because Scripture says you'll know them by their fruit. It's what we put off. Not what we say, not lip service. Fruit is not a lip service thing. With Gomer, her fruit was her whoredom. And unfortunately, all of us fall short of the glory of God. And we need to bring these scriptures home to us, to our own selves. Uh, how many people are just like Sister Patricia's uh, patriarch of the family who have seen so much hypocrisy and seen so much whoredom allegedly amongst God's people that there's nothing but disdain and disgust where he sits back and just mocks. Scripture tells us that God will not be mocked. 
that in our day of calamity, he will laugh at us. Just in uh, going over chapter 4 of Hosea, where God is talking about his people and the people of the land. At one point, there was no distinction of the people of the land and his people. We, If we are God's children, a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, a peculiar people, and peculiar doesn't mean weird or odd, it does in modern English, but in old English, the word peculiar means purchased with the price of blood. If we are a peculiar people, people will feel it when they walk around us. People should feel our testimony because they certainly feel our testimony when it's bad. They should feel our testimony when it's good. We think that because someone isn't in church, they don't have a spirit of discernment or they don't understand. I've heard people even say, well, God doesn't hear their prayers. Uh, yes, God does hear their prayers. But we walk around like oftentimes where God's e elite, we're better than God. We are God's unto ourselves. And that's not the case. In all reality, that's not the case. And I'm not talking about being a, our humbleness being our glory, but understanding our position in God, understanding our place in God, where we allow God to be God, and we are his servants. In the beginning of the program, I had mentioned I've been a minister for 29 years and have learned many hard lessons. And I had an experience in my life one time where God told me to do something. I said, oh, Lord, I, I, no, I can't do that because this is what's going to happen. And as a matter of fact, over the year and a half, two years that it, this took place in my life, everything I told God was going to happen did. And God had to be stern with me to get me to do it because of my stupidity. It was nothing other than stupidity on my part. And when the whole thing was over with and everything happened that I told God would happen, I was praying one night. I said, God, why? And God said to me, he said, I had you do this because that man had prayed for 20 years and it had to come to pass that I would fulfill his prayers. And he said, you have claimed to be my servant. And I said, yes, Lord. And he said, I just have one question for you. If I called you to do something, no matter what the outcome, and you argued with me about doing it, since when does the servant tell the master what to do? 
which point I kind of hung my head in great sorrow for a long time. And I learned one of the most valuable lessons in my life. We claim to be servants of Christ, but it seems to be when it's at our convenience or when it doesn't cost us anything. When we have lessons in Scripture with King David wanting to rent the threshing floor and buy some oxen for a sacrifice, and he was told by the owner of the threshing floor, I'll give it to you and I'll supply the oxen. And David said, not so. I will not sacrifice to my God anything that does not cost me nothing. To get us out of the state of being a gomer, we're going to have to make some sacrifices. One of them is to die to the flesh daily. Obviously, Gomer never did that. Gomer was serving her flesh continually, chasing her lovers, be it money, a woman, a man, a car, possessions, position, titles. Uh, we're no longer pastoring right now. We were pastoring for some time. And when I was pastoring, I wouldn't allow anyone in church to call me pastor. And they wanted to know why. And it was because I have to do the same thing everyone else does to make it to heaven. We all have to do the same thing. My position as pastor was not a shoe-in for heaven. There was no guarantee there. If anything else, it was a detriment because to whom much is given, much is required. Much responsibility is given to you, much is going to be required of you. Scripture says, be there not many teachers because there lies the greater condemnation. If we can't as individuals deal with the little things, we have no business putting on the shoes of taking the great things and great responsibilities, like holding someone's soul in our hand and trying to lead them closer to God and uh, by giving them our opinions. Our opinions are not going to get them closer to God. Only scripture, an understanding of the word, rightly dividing the word of truth. As often as God dealt with Gomer, and, or I should say the prophet dealt with Gomer, as God deals with the church, he continually, found her on the auction block. He continually found her in the whorehouse. He continually found her in bondage. How many times have we found ourselves in a mess of one form or another and we're crying out to God, God, get me out of this. 
God, I can't stop the phone calls from the debt collectors. Help me, God. God, the IRS is screaming at me. Help me, God. Get me out of this situation. God, I promise you, if you bless me, I'll bless others. Only to find out that after God blesses us, our blessing becomes our curse. Because we don't follow through. One time several years ago, I was in a service and God had spoke and prophesied over four people that God was going to bless them financially, miraculously, I mean, just beyond measure, so they could be an asset to the kingdom of God. Today, two of those people are dead. One isn't even in church. The other one uh, kind of attends church, I guess you could call it, and is under a curse on, on their lives so strong they have to have dialysis done three times a week to purify their blood. And they're struggling and begging God for their next breath. Their blessings became their curse because they went by the way of Gomer. They got lifted up in their blessing. This was all by God's grace and mercy that he would even consider us. He does not need us. He desires us. And he loves us. We don't understand love. To many of us, love is sex. Love is dominion. Love is power. The simplest form of love is I care about you and I want what's best for you. That's love. Not what's best for me, not what fits into my position, but what's best for you. Just as Hosea loved Gomer, tried to give her a home, tried to give her those things needful for her, as Christ tries to take care of our everyday needs. Unfortunately, we're more concerned about our wants than our needs. And we can never grow in a position to be blessed because we never get the basics down. We're looking at the, the stars and God's trying to just take care of us here on earth. And earth is never good enough because our eyes are on the stars. Scripture says that if we're faithful in the little things, God will make us ruler over many. How many of us are still stuck on the little things? Now, we can come up with all kinds of reasons we're still there, but just as it is in Hosea, Gomer couldn't get past the everyday whoredoms. The everyday things we build onto ourselves. The everyday things that we're making a God in our life. 
at one point in Scripture, God gave Israel a writ of divorcement. Just as in Hosea, God brought a curse on his people, and their blessings turned to curses. And they went through a season. And after a season, God started bringing them out and loving them and blessing them again. Unfortunately, as in our lives, they went through the same cycle again where they came to God and as they came to God and pressure was off, they went back to building kingdoms onto themselves. We have choices before us. We can cycle through life. Uh, have any of you ever seen someone who's been in church 20 years or 10 years or 15 years and hasn't grown one bit since the day they got in church? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, and that's because they've never passed the first test. They're still stuck on start. And they have never grown. I've seen people 20, 30 years in church under their belt and never got anywhere. Uh, Sister Patricia, you were talking before about the patriarchy your family saying about the, the preachers running around with women and that. Yes. Uh, my home church. Uh, I didn't come in this gospel by my dad having the right name and I'm, I'm some pastor's son. Uh, I came in this church. I was a drug addict and alcoholic for 13 years. I came in by this gospel the hard way. I knew half the preachers in town who they were running around with and who they were laying up with. And I knew because the girls they were laying up with were the, some of the girls that worked for me. So when I came to this gospel, I had to come with an understanding of my focus is on God, not man. My pastor, my home pastor, died of cancer, a curse from God. I was in church three months, and I already knew who he was having an affair with. Now, I had a choice to make right there. My choice was to negate God and walk away, or to know God is true and every man's a liar. My choice. We all can justify ourselves and talk about the hypocrites, as long as you have people involved, you're going to have hypocrisy. Not a one or two. Hypocrisy is part of every one of us. It's something we're all capable of. And it's something we all struggle with. The only difference is that some of us know about it, some of us don't, because we're not going to admit it. You mentioned about generational curses before. How about ancestral sin? Sin that goes to the third and fourth generation. 
How about sin that started in the beginning when God said to Adam, what have you done? And Adam said, it wasn't me. It was that wife you gave me. He blamed his his wife. And the truth be known, Adam was telling on himself because if his wife did not do right, it was because he never trained her, taught her, or ministered to her to do the right thing. He dropped the ball because Adam was the priest of his household, and he didn't do what was right. Yes, sir. And that's been handed down to us today. How many, I can't even count the men I've heard say, well, my wife won't. No, 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 it's not your wife. Don't use her as a scapegoat. Stand up and be a man. It's our human nature. Everything we read about in Hosea, every human being on the planet Earth has it in them, whether they're in church or out of church. We all have those shortcomings in us. And you can never get victory over something that's hidden. Hidden things have power. Exposed things have no power. So when we're sitting here trying to be self-righteous and claim, well, I don't have that problem, well, that problem may not have surfaced in your life yet or is not surfacing at this time, but welcome to human nature. We're all capable of falling. Uh, The one thing I taught emphatically when I was pastoring, I said, folks, don't ever get lifted up in yourself and your walk. Because Scripture says, if a brother takes a fall, restore him with all meekness, lest ye fall to the same temptation. Okay? Uh, You didn't... One of the things in Hosea, you never hear Gomer saying about how righteous she is, because she's not. Nothing about her. Nothing about her. And that was probably her strong point. One of (laughs) our shortcomings is we're, we're quick to share how righteous we are. I pray so much a day and I fast so much a day. It doesn't matter how much you pray and how much you fast. You can never pray enough. You can never fast enough. And I've said that to to pastors for years. Quit using that. You have an evangelist come in and get the church on a guilt trip, you know. Well, anyone, you know, who's in here praying and fasting, you know, you you feel you're praying enough? And everyone's on this guilt trip that they're not praying and fasting enough. We can't pray enough and we can't fast enough. I don't care who we are. Uh, I remember my younger days. I'd come off a three or four week fast and want to go right back on another one because the flesh would start rising up again and I didn't like that feeling. And you can't fast that much because eventually you're just going to dry up and blow away. There are some things we have to to learn. 
we have to learn as long as we're in the flesh, we have to deal with the flesh. And that's why Paul wrote, I must die to the flesh daily. Daily. It's not a once a month thing or once a, a year thing. It's a daily thing. It's a daily walk. Uh, I know people who, I mean, they grace the church every time the doors are open. Uh, you couldn't keep them from church and have a no more walk with God than the man on the moon or the stray dog down the street. Going to church is not a walk with God. It's not a relationship with God. A relationship with God is every day 24-7. Not a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night thing. Just as Gomer was hitting the bricks in a horn 24-7, if she could have got that turned around to pursuing God with the same desire, she could have been quite a saint of God. And that's something we have to do. We do the hit and miss thing. Uh, I could ask anyone listening right now tonight, you know, do you feel you've prayed enough this week? No. Do you feel you fast enough this week? No. And you could pray and fast all week long, and I could ask the question next week, and you'd feel the same way. It's not enough. When we sit down and realize all that God has given us and done for us, there's there's not enough. There's we can't do enough. We can't give enough. Uh, we can't preach enough. We can't minister enough. All we can do is be thankful and worship Him. In that word worship, there you know there's seven words of praise. And every one of those words mean a different thing, a different action and praise. But worship, there's only one description of worship in the Bible. And worship means to lay down prostrate before God. How many of us have just laid down before God in total surrender? And, and just gave it to God. And said, God, I, I, I just can't handle it. I can't control it. I'm a child of the king, and I give this problem to you. Gomer thought she could handle it. She couldn't. We think we can handle things. We can't. We're all subject to the flesh. And I'm not saying through the Holy Ghost we can't get power over the flesh, but until we surrender that flesh to God, because the flesh has never been judged, we have authority over spiritual matters. God, the spiritual world has been judged. 
That's why Christ died on the cal on Calvary on the cross to bring judgment to the, the demonic world. But the flesh has never been judged until we surrender that to God. There's nothing going to be taking place. There's nothing going to be happening. But when we surrender those shortcomings to God and acknowledge them, God already knows we have struggles. God already knows we have shortcomings. I don't know why we think we're hiding them from God. You know, just like Gomer thought she was hiding things from her husband, sneaking around, and he knew everything that was going on. Every time she was on an auction block, he showed up just in time to buy her out. He showed up to claim his bride. Uh, you talk about the embarrassment uh, of uh, Hosea. How many times have we embarrassed God with yes. our actions and our attitudes? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I say we we embarrass God more than we please God. We we use the term love and we throw that term around uh, quite freely, too freely. Uh, because for us to, to claim we love, and we even claim we have godly love, but when you really sit down and dissect it, we usually have an ulterior motive. We usually benefit some way or another. To give without any expectation of return you know the scripture that says, don't give to those that can repay? Why? Give to, give to those who can't repay. Now oh, that's love. Help those that have no way of giving you a return. It's easy to help someone that can return a favor. Or you know they're going to talk to everybody. They're going to they're they're going to tell everyone about bro, brother or sister so and so did. But give to someone that isn't going to run around and tell everyone that there is no glory. There is there is no self recognition or no recognition because no one knows about it. It's just between you and God and that person. Let God bless you. You don't need to be blessed by that person. You don't need to be blessed by the the recognition of something. Now we're starting to pursue the right thing. Now we're starting to pursue a godly thing. There is so much. You know, you mentioned before, Sister Patricia, about our apostasy. Scripture talks about our apostasy becoming so great that we're calling good evil and evil good. When we have verses that say, this people honor me with their lips, 
but their hearts are far from me. Yes, yes, yes. They're talking about the Hoseas in church. I mean, the the Gomers in church. Well, the Hoseas too. Because in Hosea, God even talks about the prophet turning his back on him. The prophet goes with the people. Yes, he did. So, when we can put things in proper perspective, Scripture says about rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Uh, we have a lot of people worshiping that are not in truth. We have a lot of people worshiping him with their worshiping him with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. Far from him. Uh, we go to church. Uh, I recently was talking to someone, and he had a little problem with Pentecostal people. Mm-hmm. He, he went to a, a Pentecostal church and he heard someone speaking in tongues. And uh, he said, man, that gave me the willies. And I said, well, why did it give you the willies? He said, there was something wrong there. And I happen to know this person is very spiritually gifted. And I said, what if you were what you were feeling was right and correct? He said, what do you mean? And I said, what if you were standing alongside someone who wasn't speaking in a godly tongue? He said, you know, I never thought of that. Since then, his meaner towards Pentecost and a Pentecostal biblical experience has changed. We take Poison people, excuse me, poison people on our bad days towards God. We're not walking in Christ and we're walking in the flesh. People see that testimony. Remember, you're not going to prove the existence of God on your good days. You're going to prove to people God in your life on the bad days. That's when your testimony shines. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> when literal hell is breaking loose in your life, that's when people are watching because the real you is showing then. Not the pretend you. Anyone, anyone and everyone puts up a front. But when the circumstances are down and everything's going wrong, that's when you find out about the real you. Get someone that's sleep deprived and watch the real them come out. Uh, oh, I recently Jesus. had <laughs> I recently had an experience where I was working with my father in law and our relationship is fine now, but there was a time that our relationship was a little rough. 
and he was helping me, and I had a, we were holding a beam up, and I picked up a, a nail gun that shoots three-and-a-half-inch nails out of it, and I had shot that nail in the knuckle of my finger. And I pulled my hand down, and the, the nail was sticking out of the knuckle, and his my hand was about a foot from his head when it shot into the finger. And I said, well, is my prayer life where it's supposed to be? And uh, he kind of said, uh, I guess. And I said, you know, sometimes things happen because God's checking our prayer life. Not because we've done something wrong or God's punishing us. And so I pulled that nail out of my finger and we went, went back to work and I picked up a sledgehammer and I went to hit that beam we were trying to put in place. And I missed the beam and I crushed that same finger right down to the bone on the edge of that beam with that sledgehammer. Jesus. And I looked at him and I said, now is my prayer life where it's supposed to be? And he said, well, I guess so. You didn't cuss. And I said, there's nothing to cuss about. Sometimes God allows us things to happen in our lives to reach other people to check our prayer life, to show other people the goodness of God and what the peace God can give us in our life. Look at Job. We don't always understand the circumstances. We don't always have a grasp of what's going on. That's why in the fourth chapter of Hosea, God says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. There's times we lose out with God. There's sometimes, and that word perish means die, graveyard dead. Because we don't understand what's going on. There's times we lose out with God. There's times we lose our walk with God because our perspective is off. God's not one to teach us to swim, to drown us. He doesn't teach us to fly, to let us crash and burn. He's faithful and just in all manner. He's faithful and just. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And with, uh, that, with that, I'll... Give you back the, the program. All right. Um, we have uh, some callers on the line. Would you like to take some calls? Sure. Okay, just a moment. Line three. Line three, would you uh, like to have any comments or questions for our guest, Prophet Hugo? No. Okay. Thank you. Okay, next caller. Hello? Hi, caller. You're on the air. Can you hear me? Yes, yes. I can hear you just fine. Who's speaking? Uh, this is Minister Virgie Lindsay. Hi, Minister Virgie. How are you? Hi, sweetie. I'm good. 
You're okay, good, good, good. Thank you. Okay, all right. Um, well, if you decide that you'd like to ask a question, I will come back to you or I just click on talk. Okay? Oh, okay. But I Did have you want to ask a like, question? No, I don't have a question. Okay. All right, then um, I'm going to go back to um, uh, our guest, Prophet Hugo Worth, and that's Hugo, H-U-G-O, Worth, who's on the line uh, still, and uh, see if he would like to have any additional uh, words before we go further into the program. Uh, no, I'm, I'm about talked out for the night. You're about talked out? Surely not you. Surely not you. Okay. Well, I'm going to uh, play a a song uh, again that we heard a little bit earlier. And um, it's going to be, um, this one is by uh, Pastor Cheryl Brady, and it's dealing with intimacy. And I believe that it's a significant song because of um, the call of God upon the lives of his people and the call of God on the lives of those who are still seeking a source, a a resource, a place of rest for their weariness. They have not yet accepted Christ, or they may be backslidden or running from a call that's on their lives. God is wanting to be into you, and he wants you to get into him, and he wants to be into you the way that the saints of old used to sing a song that says, you know, that I'm wrapped up, tied up, and tangled up in Jesus, and he's my friend. This song reminds me of that uh, song that I used to hear as a little girl when the church mothers would get up and they would sing that song. But this is Pastor Cheryl Brady, and she is singing a song of intimacy.
We're going to go back to the line. And uh, on line two, caller, would you like to have any comments or questions for our guest, Prophet Hugo? Line two, you're on the air. Okay, I want to um, ask you, uh, Prophet Hugo, if you would, in regards to the callers that are here on the line, and um, I've had people uh, coming in and out of the, uh, the chat room, and for those who are still listening in right now, I would like for us to pray a prayer of um, repentance with them and a prayer of uh, anticipated deliverance and restoration for them because there is a glimmer of light in the book of Hosea, even though God is saying, you know, my people, my people, my people, they don't act like my people, they don't even want to be my people, and I just, I'm just done with them, I'm too through with them, I don't want to be their God anymore. But God being who he is, that he is a faithful God and he is a just God, has a plan of salvation. He has a desire to see them come and be restored to him. So he does not completely seek to destroy them. He does seek to get their attention and to get them to turn from their wicked ways and to get them to go back to their love that was with them, uh, between them, that original love that and, and that, that love that is so um, easily um, excited and so grateful for the little things, the, the little things in life that um, a lover or a husband would do for a spouse or for a friend, that love that was between them that was so pure and it was so innocent, God was longing to have that fellowship with them. He was just moved by that. And we know that the word says that he inhabits the praises of his people. And when Praises go up, blessings come down. And so when God is saying, you know, don't you see how much I've blessed you? Don't you see how much I care? Don't you see how much more I would bless you? Don't you realize that if you would just praise me for what I've already done, thank me for what I've already done in your life, look back and reflect on where you've been and how good I've been to you, how much I have been there for you every single step of the way I've been there. Even when you couldn't find me walking beside you, I was right there. There were times when you didn't sense my presence, but I carried you through the fire. I brought you through the flood. I was with you in the famine. I was with you in the hard times. I was with you in the bad times. I was with you when people said all manner of things about you, that you'd never make it, you'd never be anything, you'd never amount to anything. And I said, you know what? I see what they're doing right now, but I know the plans that I have for them and the plans that I have for them are to prosper them and not to harm them and to give them an expected end and to give them a hope and a future. And so I believe that even in this situation with Hosea that we are alive today because Hosea's name meant salvation and Gomer's name meant to scatter, that the children of Israel have been scattered to the four corners of the, the world. 
God says that I am going to bring them back into their land. I'm going to bring them back. I'm going to bring them back. And he has an outstretched arm, and he has an eye that's walking basically to and fro in the heavens, an eye that is just looking out for the people who would do great exploits and call upon the name of the Lord and would be saved. So God is not someone that we can consider a human being the way that we would consider someone a human being, that, oh, well, you know, well, they just said that, they didn't really mean that, they're going to just, you know, take that back, they're lying to us, they're just saying anything to get us to do what they want us to do. God is not saying that. God is simply saying to you, you know, have I not shown you my love, that I have loved you with an everlasting love? Have I not shown you my faithfulness, that my faithfulness is so great and that my love for you is so deep and so wide and so high that you can't do anything without me being aware? Even if you make your bed in hell like David made your bed, made his bed in hell, that I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to be with you in the fire, in the flood. I'm going to be with you in the famine, the good and the bad time. I'm going to love you so thoroughly and so completely that you will look up and you say, you know what, I find no fault in you. I find no fault in you at all. I find no fault in him. For whatever thing um, that we don't have or that we perceive that we need to have and things that we've been asking God for and we have not yet seen the manifestation, some things that I remember asking God for, I'm so glad. I am so eternally grateful that God did not grant me the request that I made of him before I really understood what it was to pray and ask God and to seek his face and knock and expect an answer. I would ask for some crazy things, and I'm so glad, I'm so glad that he's God because my mind is three and a half pounds at best, and he has a mind that is superseding any of us. His mind is greater than anything. Put all the minds together in the universe, and his mind still would be greater than that. We're just uh, sand on the seashore to him, and that's how small we are, but he's so concerned about the least of us and, and, and the greatest among us that he treats us all the same. He treats us all the same, that he loves us. It doesn't matter where we come in to the mix. It doesn't matter when we got saved. It doesn't matter when we fell away and came back. God gives us all the same wage, and that same wage is his unconditional love that he has provided for us through the shed blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And I see that we have uh, King Mike on uh, in the chat room. Uh, would you like to share some words? or make comments or ask a question. We had a guest on the show, um, and his name was Prophet Hugo Worth. We are talking about uh, the book of Hosea, um, and this is part two of uh, the discourse of the series that we're talking about, and the topic of the show today is the prophet and the prostitute, and we are examining the relationship between Hosea and Goma, and we are comparing it to the modern-day church. Because we are the bride of Christ. We are that one who has been called out of darkness and into light. And we are seeking some of us to draw nearer to him. Some of us are seeking our own devices, our own means. And we're looking for other things to do and other places to go and other people to be with. And in the book of Hosea, you find that uh, Hosea is a minor prophet. He is at the head of the class, basically, of the minor prophets, out of 12 minor prophets. 
um, that end up with Malachi being uh, number 12, basically, um, you find that he is there and he is receiving a word from God for his life. And God is telling him to do some, some difficult things, some hard things, that God forbid that he should ask some of us today to go out and marry a, a, a man or a woman who is bound by the spirit of harlotry and who would go out and cheat on them and, and flaunt themselves in public and, and have the neighbors talking about him every time he walked down the street or come home and every time he went to open his mouth and give a word of prophecy, people were scrutinizing uh, the words that were coming out of his mouth because surely God can't be with you. God's not talking to you. I mean, look at your house. Your house is a mess. But yet, he obeys God. So there's going to come a time when you're going to have a moment where God is going to ask you to do something that nobody around you agrees with it, and everybody around you will say, you know what, that's not God. That's when I have found that when I get people who tell me that, when I get a majority uh, voting and saying, you know, that's not God, that's when I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I need to really listen to the voice of the shepherd and not follow the stranger. That's when I know that my father is concerned about me and that he loves me and that he cares about me and that he is ultimately seeking my good and he is going to take everything that has been done in my life, everything that's been done in your life that was evil, that the enemy meant to use to destroy you, and he's going to work it out for your good. And when he works it out for your good, you're going to come forth as pure gold. I see that uh, King Mike is also um, in the queue for the callers. And if you have a question, if you would like to make comments, uh, feel free to um, raise um, the click to talk uh, button on there. Guest 6580, thank you for joining the show. Uh, we have 22 minutes remaining in the show. And we are going to have Prophet Hugo um, lead us in prayer at this particular moment, and then we're going to come back to you, and if you have any comments or questions at that time, we'll be more than happy to take them. Thank you. Prophet Hugo. Lord, we ask you tonight to sever the chains that bind us, sever the chains of ancestral sin and generational curses, sever the chains of things that would so easily beset us, Lord. The sins of the Father to the third and fourth generation, sever those ties. Free us from that bondage. The generational curses, free us from that bondage. Yes, Lord. The ancestral sin, free us from that bondage, God. Lest you free us, how can we have victory? Lest you sever those chains, how can we be glorious in you, O Lord? We need you, God, to be the Jehovah Jireh of our lives, the provider, the provider of freedom, the provider of peace and understanding, the provider of wisdom and knowledge the provider of hope, the provider of salvation, the provider of godly wisdom. Lord, move on us. Take the scales from our eyes, God, yes, that we may see and know and pursue you in spirit and in truth. 
Keep your hand upon us as we go. Lead us and guide us. Open up the word to us, Lord, with a greater understanding than we've ever had before. Take away our religious spirit and give us a godly spirit. In your great name I pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, Line four. King Mike, would you like to have a comment or a question? Yeah, let me tell you something. Faith more. I'm faithful, girls. Dedicated far from born small. Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us. Um, um, there was a little bit of an echo in the background. Um, I don't know if you're a speaker or your volume may be up a little bit. Um, if you want to turn it down and you want to uh, make your comment again, uh, we'd be happy to do that. But I see that you've uh, dropped off uh, the call. Um, I'm going to go to um, line two. Line two, would you like to have any comments or uh, remarks for um, the topic, the prophet and the prostitute? Okay. Thank you for joining us on the air. Guest 6580. Thank you for joining us. Would you like to have a comment? Okay. All righty. We're going to um, look at we're looking at about 18 minutes left in the show. And um, I have a concern that I'd like to express um, while we're here. But in the process of us kind of vetting out Hosea, that we would spend some time in between the shows kind of doing a self-examination because as Prophet uh, Ward says that we all will have an occasion to fall. You know, we, we are not infallible. God is infallible. And uh, given the opportunity, we would all have an occasion to sin. But because of the grace of God, the grace of God, um, he is forever loving us, forever wooing us, forever calling us back to him and forever doing what it is that he would like to do. In our lives, um, he wants to strengthen us. He wants to build us up. He wants us to be uh, edified. And even Jesus, when he talks about it, he says, you know, glorify me, Father. Glorify me, Father. Uh, God wants to give us a measure of glory. God wants us to be radiant. God wants us to shine. God wants us to be bold, and he wants us to do great exploits, and he wants us to look like we are doing everything that he has asked us to do. And, God, I thank you, and I praise you that even right now, Father God, that if we have people who are in the chat room and people who are online, God, that your spirit would prevail upon them, that your glory and your peace and that your power and your authority in the name of Jesus and the blood of the Lamb and the word of God says that he is those that 
these are those whose robes have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. God, we entreat them now to have their robes washed in the blood of the Lamb. We entreat them to receive you as Jesus Christ. We entreat you to come and accept him, to come boldly before the throne of grace and ask for help in the time of need. We ask you to come into the presence of God. We ask you to come and seek his face. We ask you to come and join the family of God because there is room at the table for you. We ask God to come into your life. We ask God to penetrate the soul down to the core of your being. We send forth the fiery darts of the Holy Spirit to come in and to burn up inside of you anything, any spirit of derision, any spirit of vileness, anything that is binding you right now. We take it to the throne of grace, and we take you to the throne of grace, and we declare, we declare and we decree that God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but he is the God of a people who have been called by his name. And he says that if we are called by his name, that he would heal our land. And I thank you right now. I thank you right now, God, for salvation. I thank you for wholeness, and I thank you for peace. And I thank you, God, that you're sending laborers into the paths of the people who join us on this show to lead and guide them and draw them into your kingdom, God. Your word says that one man sows and another waters, but it is God that gives the increase, God. Wherever we fall in the midst of sowing seed, God, whether we're sowing it right now for the first time, whether we're watering seed right now, we Declare, God, that you shall get the glory out of this broadcast, that you shall get the glory out of the people who are participating in this, God. And I thank you right now. I bless your name, and I glorify you, and I magnify you for the salvation of our listeners, for the salvation of those who would come by. God, I thank you in advance for souls that are going to be one to the kingdom. I thank you, God, that in this last day, in this last hour, God, we shall cry loud and spare not. We shall call forth the power and the authority that is within us to rest upon the people who are listening here, God, because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places, God. And we thank you right now that where there are any two or three of us gathered together in your name, God, that you said that you would be in the midst. And right now in the midst of this program, God, I thank you that you are in the midst right now. You are arresting principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places right now, that the authority of the blood of the Lamb is permeating the airways right now, God, on this segment, on this show, and the Spirit of the living God is raising up a standard and declaring that no weapon formed shall prosper and that every lying tongue shall be silenced and the name of Jesus shall be named and every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. And right now, by the authority of the blood of the Lamb, by the authority of the name of Jesus, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we declare and we decree that nothing Nothing, nothing, nothing that the enemy is trying to do or attempting to do to keep this broadcast and to keep the listeners and the participants in this broadcasting from receiving the spirit of the living God, the word, the rhema, the revelation, the power, and the glory to shine forth on this broadcast. We command it right now to shine. 
We command that everything that is coming in through the airways to steal, kill, and destroy, we take authority and we arrest it now in the name of Jesus. And we declare, we declare, and we decree that we shall do great exploits and we shall go forth. We shall go forth in the name of Jesus and we shall do great exploits in the name of Jesus. And the power of the living God says that where there are two, God, that we could put 10,000 to flight. And Father, I thank you. I thank you right now that the legions of demons, Father God, are being put to flight in the name of Jesus. And the hand of the adversary is being silenced right now in the name of Jesus. And God, I thank you. I thank you for repentance. I thank you for a spirit of restoration, resting, ruling and abiding on anyone who would listen to this broadcast, to anyone who would listen to this segment. May the authority and the power of the blood of the Lamb permeate this broadcast and this segment right now in the name of Jesus, the yoke-destroying power and the authority of the name of Jesus. May it go forth. May it go forth in the name of Jesus. And, God, we thank you and we praise you, Lord God, and we bless your name and we glorify you, God, and we give you the praise and we give you the glory, God, because you died for all of us. You died for all of us, God, and we thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your compassion. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for the love that you have for us is unconditional, and we thank you for your free spirit that upholds us and that keeps us. And then you said that if we would lift you up, that you would draw all men unto you. And I release an anointing to draw all men unto you, God, upon this segment right now in the name of Jesus. And God, we give you the glory and we give you the praise. And we thank you for our guests on tonight, God. And we thank you for those who will listen to this message as it is being prepared for archive, God, that they would receive you as their Lord and Savior, that they would ask you into their lives, and that they would accept you as Jesus Christ, the Messiah, their Savior, their Redeemer, their Healer, their Anointing, their Peace, and that they would believe on the name of Jesus Christ as the Son of the living God and be saved. And God, we thank you for the souls that shall be added to the kingdom as a result of this broadcast, God, and we give you the glory. And we give you the praise and we give you the honor for it, Father, in Jesus' name. And we give you the praise and the glory and the honor for it in Jesus' name. We give you the praise, the glory, and the honor for it in Jesus' name. God, and I thank you that right now that you are raising up your people, God, to take back the kingdom of God and to do great exports, God, and we thank you right now. And I want to um, um, have an additional prayer of protection right now over our listeners and over our participants right now, and we will go into prayer once again. Thank you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I lift up the listeners of this broadcast to you, and I pray I had your protection around them, I thank you, Father, that you are a wall of fire round about them and that you set your angels round about them. And I thank you that because they dwell in the secret place of the Most High and they abide under the shadow of the Almighty, they will say of you, Lord, that you are their refuge, their fortress, and you they will trust. I thank you that you cover them with your feathers and under your wings shall they trust. They shall not be afraid of the terror by night 
of the fiery dart that flies by day, only with their eyes will they behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because my listeners have made you, Lord, their refuge and fortress, no evil shall befall them, no accident will overtake them, neither shall any plague or calamity come near them, for you give your angels charge over them to keep them in all of your ways. And Father, I thank you because you've set your love upon them, therefore will you deliver them. They shall call upon you, and you will answer them. You will be with them in trouble, and will satisfy them with long life, and show them your salvation. Not a hair of their head shall perish. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Amen, amen. Prophet Hugo? Yes. Would you like to have some additional words? Just as we walk, our day-to-day walk, apply the word to our lives and let us not get lifted up in ourselves. Let us not get lifted up in our work. Uh, Let's let God be God and lift him up Amen. as we go. Amen. Amen. I am going to uh, play for us um, a song by Marvin Sapp, and I believe that because of who God has been in our lives, and the reality of it is that if God had not been with us and for us and on our side, we never would have made it. Never would have made it. I would have lost it all, but now I see how you were there for me, and I can say, never would have made it, never could have made it without you, I would have lost it all, but now I'm stronger, I'm wiser, I'm better, much better. When I look back over all you brought me through, I can see that you were the one I held on to, and I never, never would have made it. Oh, I never could have made it. Amen, amen, amen. Never could have made it. I don't know about you, Prophet Hugo, but I know I never could have made it without him in my life. Absolutely never could have made it without him. So I know that because of all that he has done and all that he has brought me through, that he is going to continue to see me through, and he is going to remain faithful. I believe that wholeheartedly. And I believe that God is going to do a mighty work um, through this broadcast. And I believe that God is going to get the glory. Amen? 
Amen. 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 We are now with four minutes remaining in the show. And if there is anyone who would like to accept Jesus Christ um, as their personal Lord and Savior tonight, we'd be more than happy to receive you into the kingdom. Um, I see that um, I had uh, King Mike to drop off, and I pray for uh, God to do completely what needs to be done uh, for him, and we thank him for stopping by. Uh, Guest 6580, you are still in the chat room. Would you like to have something to say? All righty. Let me try um, one more time here. I still have callers in the queue, and I've gone to them, and um, I don't believe that um, they're ready to be on the air just yet, Prophet Hugo. I think they might just be enjoying the program, and I want to thank them. Um, I have an additional 936 on line 2 and uh, 469 on line 3 and guest 6580. Uh, thank you so much for coming by tonight, and to those of you who joined us and dropped off, or if you had any difficulties in uh, getting in, please uh, let me know about it and or report it to the uh, support desk, the help desk for uh, the platform, and let's see if we can get everything worked out. So I want to thank you once again for joining me on blogtalkradio.com for Patricia Adams Live. And we will continue on tomorrow. Uh, the segment will be scheduled and it will be posted, and we will do part three of the prophet and the prostitute. And we're hoping that Prophet Hugo will be available to come by again. And uh, we will keep you posted and informed. So once again, we are about to sign off uh, for tonight, and um, we will uh, close with um, the song of intimacy, uh, with Jesus, come lay your head on me by um, Pastor Cheryl Brady.
Good night. Thank you for joining us. Join us again tomorrow for part three of The Prophet and the Prostitute. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.